You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Travel Genius. I'm Mark Elwood. And I'm Nikki Eckstein. We're the Travel Geniuses. Yes, we are. This week, we're going to talk about a touchy topic in travel, the carbon footprint of aviation. And then after we've busted a myth or two of our own, we'll be chatting with the one and only Carrie Byron, who came to TV fame as one of the real live Mythbusters. All that and more on this week's Travel Genius. All right, Mark, what's your New Year's travel resolution? Not to complain when I get a bad seat on a plane. Ooh, that's a tough one. (laughs) It's like in our blood to do that. I don't know how you're going to turn yourself around. I don't know how long it'll last, Mm. but I'm setting myself that challenge. All right, I'll give you three trips into the air before you're out, but we'll see. We'll see. Mine is pretty simple, actually. I am pledging, publicly now, I suppose, to offset all the flights that I take this year. Which isn't as straightforward, I think, as it sounds, right? That's true. It's a pretty easy thing to commit to, but it's hard to get it right. Offsets are kind of broken. I also think that aviation is held up as a whipping boy, whipping girl, whipping person uh, for carbon carbon footprints, when in fact it's actually a very small part of the world's of the world's carbon problem. I remember talking to Greenpeace recently. At the moment, it only contributes three point five percent of global emissions. That depends on how you count it. Actually, there are other groups that count it as low as two percent, and that's not groups that are run by aviation. These are groups that actually just tally up all of the spend, if you will, of carbon industries around the world, what their carbon spend is. And completely neutral groups will put the number, like you said, up to 3.5%, but as low as 2 But the big, the big challenge, and this is what I think is so interesting to bear in mind, at the moment, aviation is not as problematic as some of the things we do, like shipping and fast fashion. But the industry is not anticipating change and working its technology to make it future-proofed against being terrible in the future. And Greenpeace again said to me that by 2050, aviation could contribute 20% of emissions because technology, is, they're, not, they're not really trying to migrate away from fossil fuels. Okay, so let's unpack a couple of things here because there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. First of all, we've got the issue of how much of a carbon footprint does aviation have? Then we've got the issue of how do we offset it responsibly, right? There Mm -hmm. are a couple of things here that are really hard to simply wrap your mind around. So, yes, you're right. The footprint of aviation is only growing because people continue to travel more and more and business requires us to travel more and more in this interconnected world. That said, there are some promising developments that aviation 
trailblazers are kind of putting their money behind. I'm thinking of airlines like Swiss or Lufthansa, so on and so forth. They're all investing in sustainable jet fuel. A lot of times this is a combination of biofuel and synthetics. This is all pretty entry-level stuff. That means it needs to be tested. It needs to go through a lot of rounds of approvals and a lot of hurdles before it gets cleared for takeoff. But it's happening. As it would. Uh-huh. But it's happening. And um, and there is actually a lot of promise that the big number that you said where aviation could eventually account for up to 21% of our total emissions by 2050, that huge number could be avoided without us necessarily having to stop flying. If they work on the technology side. Correct. But if... Let's set the let's set them aside and say, okay, the the companies should do more. They're doing a bit. What what can we do that really will make an an impact? What what should I look for? If you, what are you, what are you looking for with your carbon offsets for next year? Okay, so I reported a story where what I thought I was going to find out was how deeply broken carbon offsets are as an idea. There are actually a lot of issues that make carbon offsets not work well at all. And so I was kind of hoping to figure out what all those problems were and what the alternative strategies were. Okay, what I learned is, yes, carbon offsets are super duper broken. There's a bunch of bad practices where people might double fund a project that ends up not even existing at all. Mm -hmm. Let's say a company pledges to, you know, offset all of its operations, but then... Really, they're just putting money towards something that would have happened with or without their input. There's a lot of things that make carbon offsets pretty darn broken. But what's the problem? Hang on, just because I'm curious about this. You told me this. What's the problem with bamboo? I thought bamboo was oh. the miracle the miracle alternative. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is kind of a weird thing, but bamboo can be an invasive species, right? It grows super fast, so it sequesters carbon from the atmosphere. And it does so effectively, except for the fact that it's invasive and it can take over environments where it doesn't belong. So it comes at a pretty big cost in the end. And that's one of the issues. But should I should I not buy carbon offsets then? Well, I was thinking when I set out to report this story that that was going to be my ultimate conclusion was that offsets are just not worth our time. But that was actually a little bit pessimistic of me. And what I ended up finding was a company called Cool Edge. It's a really smart company, and they've come up with a really simple three-click mechanism where you can figure out what it would take to offset your flights, specifically for travelers, what it would take to offset your flights. And they have people who are highly involved with the UN, people who are very credentialed, kind of going through their entire list of offset projects and validating both on the ground, in person, and through a full look at all of their financial information, that these are projects, carbon offset projects that are worth funding and that are making a difference. So Cool Edge is one, that's a company. I was told to look for two things, VCS, Verified Carbon Standard, mm-hmm. or Gold Standard VER, that if you see those phrases on something, it's essentially a hint that that carbon offset program is run by someone who really knows what they're doing right. rather than is greenwashing something and just trying to grab your cash. And that's a good thing to look for. Let's say you're flying with an airline that's offering to offset your flight internally. When you book the flight, sometimes it'll prompt you and it'll say, add another $10 and you'll offset your carbon. If you look for those labels at that moment in time and you see them, 
that's a very easy way to do it. And if you don't see them, then maybe don't trust that built-in portal to offset and use a tool like Cool Edge that independently verifies its projects because you know that your money is going to go somewhere that matters. So we're saying VCS, VER, and Cool Edge. But you could just ditch the plane and take a train, right? I mean, it depends on where you're going. Obviously, not <laughs> transatlantically. Can we take a plane, for a train from New York to Paris? <laughs> I wish we could. As a European, I do love trains because there's something very efficient about them. But Scandinavia, obviously, we've heard the flight shame movement, which was was kind of engendered by the Greta Thunberg movement and the sort of Scandi sense of resource awareness. They now have the phrase for I won't I won't mangle it. Even my best pronunciation of anything Scandinavian would please. be horrific. But it, no, please, no, try. I'm please. Not, I, I wouldn't. I'd offend my Danish and, Flick, and Swedish fl- friends. Flingscam. <laughs> I'll do it. I was going to say, <laughs> listeners, please record us, record us a little, a, a little voice note, and tweet it at us so that we can pronounce it properly. We think it's flingscam. Fl- flingscam and tagskrit. <laughs> But this train brag is about how you show off on social media that you've opted to take a train. Germany has plans to cut taxes on train journeys and hike them on flights. And other nations in Europe are looking to do the same thing. So in other words, not just penalize you for flying, but make it cheaper and easier to take a more sustainable alternative. I mean, train travel is awesome. And quite honestly, I get the best sleep ever when I'm on a train. The The white noise of a train, it just puts me to sleep in a second. And that never happens to me. It's like being rocked in your mother's arms. Ugh. Just it, it's like a sleeping pill and being rocked in your mother's arms on a train. I've, I've had some of my best sleep in my life on a train. So basically, whether your conscience requires it or not. Why not do that Why instead? Why not? But I'd love to hear, I would love to hear from listeners. I think this is a real hot button topic that we've just really scratched the surface on. There's a lot of science there. Please do tweet at us your thoughts, what you're doing. Are you thinking twice about flying as much as you used to? Or do you think it's all kind of stuff and nonsense? I'd be very curious. Yeah, we'd love to hear what ideas you guys have for greening your own travels in the new year, whether that means maybe eating at a vegan or vegetarian restaurant once or twice during your vacation or buying a little less fast fashion while you're out shopping in a new city. There's a lot of ways to go about it, and I don't think that there's one simple or right answer. So reach out to us on Twitter or maybe even give us a call. We're at 646-324-3490. And if you're lucky, we'll maybe even share your tip and play it on the show. I would love that. We want to hear from all of you. You know who I wish was sitting here right now to sort out this science? You mean the person that's coming here right now? Yeah. I mean, a woman who basically her job has been for years to set the record straight. She's worked. She's looked at whether it's possible to water ski behind a cruise ship or could you survive on a desert island with nothing but duct tape? And if those sound like episodes of Mythbusters, they are. <laughs> That's because we're talking about Carrie Byron, who is one of the original Mythbusters. In her new TV life, she's the host of a show called Crash Test World, and it's a series made specifically for school classrooms. It's all about how cities around the world are using their history and culture and natural resources to address all of their own big questions. So let's bring her in. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome to Travel Genius. Well, thank you for inviting me. Okay, Carrie, before we start, I think you know what's coming up. Nikki, hit it. Ooh, I was early. (laughs) 
That is the famous travel genius bell. And every time you hear it, it will be that Nikki has deemed something you've said especially genius. At the end of each episode, we will tally your genius rating, your points score. So no pressure at all. I mean, clearly I have a hot finger today, so (laughs) So you better get a good couple. She's she's usually quite a a hard adjudicator, I warn you. All right. So, Carrie... I know that you've been traveling a lot for your new show. You've been, I mean, how many countries have you visited so far where you've been recording? Oh my goodness, for Crash Test World, dozens. And we not only land in the countries, but we we go to all sorts of weird places within a country. I love that. That means that you've probably perfected a whole bunch of tips, tricks, and hacks for us. I want to dive right in with you. And there is one thing that you've told us that you always pack. Have you been taking it everywhere? I do. I always try to pack a bandana wherever I go. Why a bandana? It has so many functions. First of all, it's fashionable. It's very cute. It's a headscarf. It's a neck scarf. You can, you know, tie it around your boot if you want to get a little Judd Nelson from Breakfast Club. But mostly, it's the utilitarian purposes that I like. I mean, it's a bag, like an impromptu purse. Um, You can use it as a rag or a Kleenex, or you can use it as a sort of a gas mask or a debris mask if you're in an area where people are sneezing or there's a lot of construction happening. I mean, there's just a million things you do. My favorite, though, is you're walking through Italy and it's super hot. You can rinse your bandana in some of those cool fountains that you see and then wrap it around your neck and it cools you right down. Oh, my God. That's a great idea. That's amazing. And how did you discover this, Carrie? Who did you spot wearing a bandana and think... I should do that too. Well, I learned it from some firefighters. They always had the best tricks for cooling down. And then I also just started wearing it to work all the time because I worked in a shop. And it's a lot easier to grab a bandana real quick to grab a bunch of screws that you need to transport or if I just needed a dust mask impromptu. That's so funny. Yeah, the dust mask idea. Do you ever use it on a plane if people are sneezing around you? Do you does it help you avoid getting sick? Oh, heck yeah. I hate sickness on airplanes. <laughs> it freaks me out. So I put it on right away. And then if you put that on and then you put your hood over your eyes, you can be almost completely in your little cocoon to go to sleep. So tell us, you use a hoodie on a plane for all sorts of things, to go over your eyes and for back support. <laughs> tell us about why a hoodie is something you need to take on a plane. Well, I like to bring one because not only can you use it to shade things, um, especially if you're next to the one guy that has their window open when everybody else wants them closed, but the oh, yeah. lumbar is always crushed in airplane seats, so I like to ball it up and put it behind my back. I like to sit up a little straight. So you use it as a pillow, actually. You don't necessarily wear it. It depends. It depends on how good the plane is. You know, yeah. I, I fly all classes. <laughs> I will say, I, I swear by, and I'm, I'm not spivved to say this, they haven't paid me. I swear by Aviator, which is a, a travel clothing brand, which I always wear when I travel, because the hoodie that they've developed, one of the things is that the hood doesn't look weirdly enormous, mm-hmm. but when you pull it over your head, it comes right down over your eyes. Nice. So it's it's an eye mask built in without it looking like an awful piece of performance travel clothing. It just looks like a hoodie until you wear it and you realize, oh, all the pockets are zippered so nothing falls out i will have to check that out that sounds awesome yeah you guys it sounds like you especially carrie have a real fascination with multitasking objects is there anything else in your life that fulfills a lot more functions than we could possibly imagine (laughs) well personally (laughs) i if i'm if i'm packing a bag and i'm actually checking it which i try not to do but if i if i can i always carry a multi-tool with me I like the Skeletool from Leatherman. They also make a TSA one, but I, I like having knives on it. But I actually clip. 
flip it onto my boot. <laughs> and you would be surprised how many amazing things you can do with it when you're on the road. I've um, even fixed like people's broken seatbelts on airplanes or, you know, what? I've gotten bored in hotel rooms. And, you know, if you find a loose screw, you can fix it for them. I don't know. I'm insane that way. Is it because you were, you're, you're handy that you had it with you? What came first, the chicken or the egg? Was it that you were on a trip and you realized you should have brought a tool? Or did you have it with you anyway and you were the, the MacGyver, the MacGyverette of the day? I've always wanted to be the, my, Magi, um, the McGirlver. I've always wanted to be McGirlver. <laughs> you know, like I just like to fix things and I've always been the one that's you know, rigging something that's fallen apart in my friends' houses. So I just, I find it. Okay. I'm a handy girl. But yeah, that kind of goes back to your your identity as a mythbuster. I feel like this shouldn't surprise too many people. Um, one other thing that kind of ties into that that you've told us in the past is that you're actually highly skeptical, even in luxury hotels, about like being watched or <laughs> making sure that things are clean and safe. Walk us through your your logic there. Okay. Well, I've just I've I've seen a lot of those black light views of hotel rooms for one. You mean, I just want to make sure that everybody knows what you're talking about there. You mean like the germ, the germ cams, essentially. If you black light a room, you can see all of the disgustingness that the room reveals. And we're talking about a hotel room. Is that enough detail for you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So they're filthy to start with. Um, I personally like to travel with some disinfectant wipes, you know, those wet wipes, um, because, you know, you get into the room, the light switches, the remote control, they're disgusting. You always get rid of that top cover because they never wash those. And secondly, you get into the hotel room. I, I have a friend who works at the crime lab and I just, I have a lot of friends in FBI, bomb techs, that kind of thing. But the crime lab friend freaked me out when she told me how often they find cameras behind mirrors. So every time I go to like a hotel or even sometimes just a gas station bathroom, I like to put my finger against the mirror in a couple places because if your finger doesn't touch your reflected finger, there's glass between it. But if the fingers touch, ah. it's just film and there might be camera behind it. And... <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm freaked. <laughs> I'm, I've never heard anyone give me yet such a clever yet terrifying extra thing to do every time I check but in. It, I mean, it, it clearly is a two-second check that you mm-hmm. can make. Carrie, have you found you know people who who have installed such surreptitious mirrors in hotels in the past? Is this something that? Has your test warranted positive results? Well, I I definitely stayed in one hotel where the mirror wasn't a mirror. It turned out to be a film. And there was a storage closet behind my room. So I started to panic. I made the guy at the front desk open the storage room for me so I could see that it was an actual wall. Then I flipped on my Bluetooth to see if there were any cameras or anything being picked up on my Bluetooth. Because you never know. You are are like Jane Bond. Forget McGurver. You are Jane Jane Bond. Bond. (laughs) Wait, this Bluetooth idea is smart, too. So... People talk a lot about information safety, particularly in hotels. If you're logging on to your Netflix account or something on the television, it's easy to have a lot of your information shared on systems that are then used by other people. Are you are you kind of lifting the veil on another personal security hack with the Bluetooth idea? I mean, the Bluetooth is just so I can see if there's any sort of cameras picking up that I didn't know about that Ah. might turn on. But, you know, I I also, you know, I use a a VPN to banish me as well when I go to hotels because you never know. So 
Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. I will also say, I think as we increasingly change the kind of places we stay in, whether it's VRBO, Airbnb, when those locations aren't necessarily corporately provided, scanning for things like cameras behind mirrors is probably a very good ritual to add, because I think you're a little bit more vulnerable to that Oh yeah. rather than at a Hilton. But if you're staying in a gorgeous apartment, it's great just double check that the apartment's exactly what it seems to be. Well, yeah, I think especially when you're talking about Airbnb and things like that, that can be a very valid point. But I will say, and Carrie, you might have found truth to this in your adventures as well, that sometimes a luxury hotel is not... Um, it's it's not going to get the free pass when it comes to safety and security. I have had things stolen out of luxury hotels. Oh, yeah. We had a laptop taken from us on a shoot at a nice hotel. I mean, <laughs> we stayed in a four-star hotel for one of our shoots, and I had bed bugs. The whole floor ah! ended up having bed bugs. And I oh. thought I was getting a weird rash and I couldn't figure it out. Because I usually when I go to a cheap motel, I check for bed bugs. The first thing you do is you look at the mattress, you look for the blood spots, the soap trick. But I didn't think in this super nice hotel, but it turned out that like three of us got bed bugs and I had to come home, strip in the garage, throw all my bags in plastic, oh my you know, God. boil my clothes. I will say, <laughs> Carrie, I was, I was always told, and I think I've talked about this before, one of the ways if you are nervous about bed bugs, take the hairdryer from the bathroom, plug it in next to the bed, and turn the hairdryer onto the mattress for about a couple of minutes. And the heat from the hairdryer will mimic a body lying on the mattress. And if there are bugs in the mattress, they will become visible. Oh, my God. That's fascinating. Ring that bell. Ring the bell. That's genius. <laughs> genius. <laughs> Thank you. But that's, a, that's another. So if, if, you, if you are, if I think if people are nervous about bed bugs, that is a very foolproof way of just double checking. Yeah. It is important, though, I think, to remind ourselves that these things can happen anywhere, right? Mm. I mean, whether we're talking about bed bugs, whether we're talking about theft, it's like use the hotel safe. Like there are precautions that we can take no matter where we are. And we shouldn't just assume that because we're paying a high price tag for a hotel room that we're automatically safe from all of these things that happen in the world. I don't even use the hotel safe. I actually use a suitcase that locks. Oh, what? How is that safer, though? Because can't I just pick up the locked suitcase and walk out with it? Yeah, but people working in the hotel can open that safe with a key. Those safes are really right. cheap. You could just you knock off the front of it and then they've got a universal key that can open your safe. But they would have to actually leave with your suitcase, which would be noticeable. What I was always told that one of the commonest ways that rooms are broken into is that they're not broken into. I've had I've had I've walked back into a hotel room before and 
encountered some people in my room going through my suitcases at a five-star Have hotel. You seriously? Which was slightly unnerving. But what I was always told was that what will usually happen is at a high-end hotel, when the room is being serviced, someone will come back dressed very well. Often a young woman will come back with a bag and say to the room attendant, oh, hey, I'm so sorry, I just left my laptop inside. I was going to a meeting. Mm. And the room attendant will assume it's okay and let her go into whatever room she's working in. Oh, that's an interesting. So it's line. not it's not a, a case of violence or breaking in. It's usually person on person. When it happened to me, it was so the way that we resolved the incident when my I had a phone stolen out of my hotel room. I was staying in a five star hotel in Central America. I won't even say the country because it will narrow it down too far. But what happened was I actually asked the general manager to look at who had used a key card to get into my mm-hmm. room, and there was an extra key card swipe from you guessed it pest control who was supposed to be working on a section of the hotel that was still under construction and they came and looked at all of the suites because I was bumped up into a suite how no, how and nice. they figured you know you're in a suite you might have some nice things sitting around <laughs> and they stole my phone Shall we? okay I like I'm gonna take so is the support. purpose of this podcast to scare people gonna, away no. from traveling because I feel like that's what we're doing no, 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 right no. now let's we'll, do the 180 we'll take it let's do a 180 and I want to know you've got a brilliant hack about how to make airplane food taste better with a tiny little <laughs> bottle of magicness. What is it? I love to steal the little Tabascos off of any room service tray that I can find because, <laughs> you know, you keep those in your purse. A little packet of hot sauce, a little Tabasco, you can definitely make that food taste better. I think that's a great idea. I will say, and I will say that's endorsed. We'll put a link to this story in the show notes, but uh, the the written through counterpart distinguished travel hacker to this podcast, a while ago I interviewed the chef Jason Atherton, who's a big deal in London, and he told me that Jude Law had told him to do that. Ooh, so that is oh, really? celebrity endorsed. Next time you do it, you can say this is what Jude Law does. <laughs> Right? And then, <laughs> but you also you like to buy like spices and and things that you can't find at home. You say are oftentimes the things that you can eat when you're traveling. Yeah, I like to get expendables for souvenirs and gifts because I I went backpacking around the world when I was 23 and I had this giant backpack and I, everywhere I went I picked up all of these beautiful little sculptures and and wooden pieces of art and I carried them for so long in my heavy heavy backpack and then when I got home about. I don't know, two years later, I walked into like a, it was like a Costco or Cost Plus World Market and all of those little statues were right there. And I was so frustrated because I had carried them around for so much. So now I just go to spice markets and get, you know, the smells of a country or get little candies or things that you can't really get easily that are, you know, something that you can consume yeah, I think that's right. But then you actually have to eat it. So many times I bring home souvenirs like that, and I I just feel like, oh, no, I can never get this again. I want to cherish it. You save and it for too long, and yeah. then it goes off. I do the same thing. <laughs> Beautiful spices you never cook with. And wine, the same. So, so, Carrie, tell us, backpacking around the world at 23. Yeah. That's incredible. I don't rough it very easily, so I admire you already. What did you learn from that that you wish you could have told yourself at the outset? <laughs> well, luckily I did this um, in 1998, so there was no internet. There was just Lonely Planet books that you had to carry mm. around. And there wasn't a lot of travel tips because I didn't know anybody who traveled. There are a lot of things I wish I knew. Um, <laughs> don't let someone use your passport to smuggle liquor. Um, just because they have a minivan doesn't mean they should give you a ride. Oh my Let's God. see. 
<laughs> These are all stories in and of themselves. Tell us something good you learned. Tell us something that surprised you about yourself or tell us something that was unexpectedly amazing about Or maybe it. even an analog tool or mm-hmm. trick that you used back then in the pre-internet and Instagram era that you like to you know, keep pulling out now. You know, I got really good with maps. I actually wear a compass around my neck. I know I've got a compass in my phone, but I've got this little tiny piece of jewelry that's a compass because it's, I mean, sometimes it's hard to tell which direction is which, especially if you're in a place with a lot of tall buildings. I think that's actually kind of fun. I I feel like that's just a traveler's good luck charm in some ways. Oh, did you have it made specially or did you find it somewhere? Where did you buy it? eBay. I just looked up. Uh, antique compasses and there's a lot of really beautiful antique compasses oh that's so that's actually really clever and really fun i really like that i might copy you (laughs) in the run-up i was gonna say perfect gift whether for the holidays or otherwise yeah okay so i'm really curious because so much of your life is about using the scientific method to do things better to kind of look into yourself and your experiences and find you know better answers So have you kind of repacked and packed and repacked the same suitcase a million times? Or have you applied the scientific method to other aspects of your travels to to find the best way forward? I definitely have a methodology to packing now. I've, I've gotten it all down to a science. I've figured out slowly what things not to bring and what I don't care about. So I can pack a suitcase really fast now. And I generally, I used to overpack and then edit it down. But now I just, I know you really don't need that much. You're never going to wear those high heels. You're going to wear the sneakers. Yeah, right. Things like that. That's what I always think every time I look yeah, at Mark, a pair of high Yeah, Mark, you stopped packing those high heels exactly. a few years ago, right? Damn. Never an occasion for them. <laughs> You're always like, just in case there's a fancy dinner. There's, it's fine. No. You can go to a fancy dinner in sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. The things that you don't wear at home, you're probably not going to wear when you're traveling. Right. But um, I'm curious. I mean, we have to ask you, are there myths around travel that you are totally ready to bust? We have busted quite a few myths, Mark and I. Like, yeah. We've busted the whole book airfare on Tuesdays. Tuesday. There not, is no, not true. There is no special time to book airfare. Repeat off to me. Yep, I've learned that, that too. Myth. That one is for, I was going to say that one, so clearly you already know. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so give us another one. Give us your 2.0. Oh, God, myths. Um, all planes are not created equally. I personally always like to look up the airplane I'm going on on Seat Guru to find out if because uh-huh. you always you know even if you're in in first class you might get the seat right next to the bathroom and that's the worst seat to have because people stand there and stare at you or you know it smells like bathroom the whole time so you definitely just because it's a first class seat or or you know the same airline and the same flight is happening you need to kind of check what kind of airplane you're about to get on you can get yeah. on a better airplane for the same price do you know Carrie do you know about FIBO do you know the FIBO acronym that you should check every time you're in first class what's your FIBO FIBO is front even back odd and traditionally it doesn't hold true in all the ways now but service used to always begin at the front of the cabin when the flight number was even and the back of the cabin when the flight number was odd so if you want the first choice of meals you want to be close to the back when it's an odd number and at the front when it's an even number oh mark i'm giving you a point thank you i i hadn't heard that one in years so Mm -hmm. thank you for refreshing my memory Mm -hmm. But that's another way. I love your point about really checking your seats, but check your seats and cross-reference them with the flight number, especially if you're in the comfy seats, because it will benefit you. And you know, 
what's interesting is, especially with the advent of premium economy, I feel like sometimes it's worth checking for certain things that might make you particularly comfortable on different planes and different um, different types of seat configurations. Like for me, it matters that the armrest goes up. And so sometimes I'm better off actually in economy than in premium economy because the premium economy seats have the those rigid armrests that don't go up. <laughs> She's just. In, I, I just, I'm just I'm, saying. Sometimes, you, listeners, you can't see my face. I think Nick, whatever Nicky just said was insane. <laughs> I'm better in economy than premium economy. I don't know what sometimes, you're talking about. Sometimes it depends on what you're doing. I mean, especially with a baby that wants to sleep across your lap or things. You like that. You can take the economy seat. I'm just. I'll saying. stay in premium economy. Next time we're on a plane, <laughs> I'm going to remind you. I'm this. not alone in this. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carrie, tell us. We we also want to know about you know crash test world. You've been to sort of all these cities around the world, but. When you're traveling with your daughter, your show is aimed at young people. What's been the most valuable experience you've had with her? Or what have you learned about traveling with kids from traveling with your own child? I learned so much about my daughter when I was traveling with her. It just I got to see her in a completely different light. I got to see her independence, and it was so wonderful the first time. You know, usually I download a Google map so that uh, I don't have to use any data to try to find out where I'm going. But I had forgot to do it one day when we left the hotel and we were walking around Rome and the phone kept, you know, all of a sudden the arrow started spinning and I got lost to where I was going. And my daughter looked at me and said, Mom, put the phone down and hand me the map. And she, she just literally looked at this map and guided us around Rome and loved it so much that she had this new mm-hmm. skill that she found in herself that she's like, no, I've got this, that for the rest of the time, I didn't have to even try. I didn't have to look anything up. I'm like, all right, Stella, here you go. Get us to the Parthenon. And she would just guide us the whole way. And it, it, I kind of got to relax and look around a little bit because she was so concentrated on the journey. I love the idea of trusting your kids to figure it out, too, especially when you're not in the comforts of home. I think they can learn so much. And it's I love I was a tour guide. My, I started in travel as a tour guide, as longtime listeners will know. And um, when I took teenagers around, one of the loveliest ways to engage them was to give them paper maps and have them work out where we were, try and, and this was long before smartphones, but have them really engage with a place because they had to look at what they were seeing, try and work out where they were. And I think there's something so old-fashionedly re- rewarding oh, yeah. about Even this. for adults, I feel like bringing back the sense of accomplishment into travel is really important in a day and age where we can kind of pre-engineer it so easily. Yeah, and it gives you some agency. It gives you like a layout of the city and, and you start to engage in a way that kind of makes you understand the layout rather than just following a little arrow down the street. You actually have to know where you are and what's happening. I think it just it, it digs it into your brain. Mythbusters fans will appreciate this question. Could you survive on a desert island with nothing but duct tape? I mean, I think I could. <laughs> I'm not going to say a general you, but I feel like I've learned enough about duct tape that I, I probably could. What what Nikki is trying to say is, will you take her to a desert island, please, and help and me keep do her it. alive? I think she really wants you. I wouldn't do it with just anyone to be her Robinson Crusoe plus one. I will be your Robinson Crusoe and your McGirlver. Let's do it. <laughs> and apparently, our Jane Bond. Yes, Harry. Jane Bond. <laughs> If anyone else wants to follow these adventures, all of your crazy Jane Bond, Robinson Crusoe, MacGyvering moves, where should we find you? Well, you can check me out on Crash Test World, which you can find right now on Project Explorer. 
And by the way, every little chunk of Crash Test World, every act comes with a free lesson plan. So if you want to use it in a classroom or homeschool or just teach your kids something, you can actually have curriculum with your entertainment. People want to follow you on social media, not just on TV. We want to see behind the scenes pictures of you and Stella. Where do they find you on Instagram, Twitter, everything else? You can find me on all of the things. I'm at Carrie Byron on Twitter and I'm at The Real Carrie Byron on Facebook and Instagram. And that's K-A-R-I. Yes, K-A-R-I-B-Y-R-O-N. Or since I fly a lot, bravo Yankee Roger Oscar Nelson. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. Thank you so much, Carrie. It was nice talking to you guys. Yeah, same. Thank you so much. Okay, Nikki, so how did Carrie score? Carrie brought some really unique tips Mm -hmm. today. I mean, stuff that we've never heard of before. All right, let's go through the six points that we got today. One, use a bandana for all sorts of things. Very impressively, also for cooling down on a hot day in Italy. Mm -hmm. Number two... Two, the two-way glass test. This was her uh, Jane Bond method for making sure you're not being watched in your hotel room. Number three, Mark's bed bug trick using a blow dryer. Number four, don't actually use the safe. Use a locked suitcase instead. Number five, always remember FIBO. Front even, back odd. FIBO. Number six, Trust your kid with an analog map. Cool things can happen. I love maps. It makes me want to go out and buy some beautiful maps instead of a guidebook and just use the maps to take me around. Well, guidebooks can be outdated in a minute. Maps are forever. <laughs> Forget diamonds. Maps, maps are, are forever. forever. I know what I know what I need to buy you for anniversary. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Travel Genius. I'm Nikki Eckstein. And I'm Mark Elwood. Do you have a favorite travel tip or hack? Or do you have thoughts on what you heard about today? We want to hear them. Just drop us a line at 646-324-3490. If you leave a voicemail, we might even play it on the show. Or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Nikki Eckstein. That's three Ks and no Cs. <laughs> and I'm on Twitter at Mark J. Elwood and Instagram at Mark Elwood. If you haven't subscribed to Travel Genius already, I would ask why not. But of course, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And while you're at it, please take a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find us. This show was produced by Topher Forges. Francesca Leafy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks again for listening. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.